Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're so glad that you're here. As always, I am your host, Lauren Ash. And as always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the most S, Christy Oxborough. How are you feeling? I'm excited to be back. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm excited to be out of the month of December. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long December and there's reasons to you. believe. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And yes. Yeah. So, December was supposed to be such a delightful, mostly off month, which it wasn't mostly off. It ended up being more, but never been so sick in my life. I know. From almost the day after we recorded the Hootenanny until about a week ago, I woke up Christmas morning without a voice <laughs> and I was awake just long enough for the kids to do gifts. And then I went, that's it for me. And I went back to bed and got up on the 27th. I was in and out of consciousness for two days. It was bad. Yeah. And then I had no voice until, oh God, January something. It's not it bad. fair. Oh, I was, I was livid. I was livid because I also had to push an appointment. So I had a bad sinus infection, laryngitis, uh, and I was having... Uh, a toothache that was bothered by the sinuses to the point I had to find an emergency doctor on uh, New Year's Eve and just pray that they would let me in. And really, you just throw around the word agony and they make you an appointment. <laughs> and, and I got in. I got in. Uh, we also had to time it so that the pharmacy would still be open after my appointment so I could get uh, 
get my pills. But yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It was brutal. Like I was in a drugged haze for for weeks where I'm like, I don't really. It was a brutal time. Yeah. Not what I planned. I'm so sorry. Christmas. You know, it is what it is. 2024. We're uh we're really kicking in the door. Yeah. You know? Ooh. Ooh, I Ooh. I like that. I didn't mean for that, but yeah, 2024. I'm I'm gonna December's gonna be a calmer month for me this year. I hope. That yeah. listen, I think that that's what we're aiming for every year. And then it's yeah. the 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 joke is when it's, you know, best laid plans. I uh I have something completely unrelated, but I also related. Yeah. I I've found now that anytime I go to McDonald's, it feels like it's research for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, well, especially because we don't get the same toys up here. This is what I wanted to show you. <gasps> Look at his fanny pack. I know. It's it's one of the little mini squishmallows. This one's Cam. Oh. It's a little calico cat with a, an adorable fanny pack. And I, oh, I just I love have to say, him. these are cute. We don't get paid by the McDonald's Corporation. We can't make this clear <laughs> enough that we desperately would like to. We don't have yeah. any notes about the brand. Give us your money. <laughs> anyway, the point is, we got to stop giving it away for free. I get that. But yeah. what I love about this is that it also has like the little tag. Like if you get a big Squishmallow, they have the little tag sure. with the name on it. And I just thought, how adorable. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to show it to you live and on the, on the air. Now, Thank you for on the air. You're welcome. Um, WKRV. No. K, no. I Fuck. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. WK something, wasn't it? Fuck. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the point is, I love that I tried to bring something back from well over a year ago. At least. Um, oh, God. Yeah, that was 2022, I want to say. But yeah. either way. Um, do you know? Can, can can you get cam in other sizes or was that one specifically made? These are great questions that I, again, I really would love to know. Because that fanny pack, yeah. although I don't think they call it a fanny pack, I'm sure the UK listeners are having a heck of a time. It's the, with the amount bag. of times I, with the amount of times I've said fanny. Yeah. Not that fanny. Yeah. They call them bum bags over there. Bum bags. Yeah. God, that also sounds like a great insult, doesn't it? Yeah. See, I'm I'm just did a quick Google and I'm not seeing it. I'm not. So he might just be for the. There is a there is mm. a calico cat called Cam Squishmallow, but it doesn't. It's not dressed the same way. Oh, so maybe they took older designs and jazzed them up a bit. Yeah. Kind of. I'm cool with that yeah as long as we bring them to canada i know because we never got well i say we when i say we just know i mean the province of saskatchewan but i actually mean the city of most job because, <laughs> because i don't know what's happening in the rest of this province but we never got the disney 100 i know or technically disney 62 um we never got those we got some pokemon shit instead and then there was something else oh yeah i guess it was these that they came out with next that uh i don't know i hate to say it i haven't been there in a hot minute well you've been sick i know it's been a travesty but one thing that i will say the one 
shining thing. Again, another company that does not pay us, yep. but should. Yep. I've I've been a bit, and I'll say this and date myself, down in the dumps. Um, since I'm gonna say end of November with the consistency of the Pepsi Slurpees at 7-Eleven. Oh, shoot. They've been a little runny. And ah. when they're a little runny, they taste almost flat. And it's just not the same. And so I have I was like, is it just more people are getting them? Because usually winter is my peak time. Because the fewer people, the thicker it is. I just, I want that bitch tan. I don't want it dark brown. I don't want it chestnut. I want it tan. I don't want it lighter than that. It needs to be very specific. I am very picky. I No, I'm going to say I'm a connoisseur because I've been doing this for over 30 years, specifically with Slurpees. Of course. The point point is, I went the other day. It was like minus 20-something. I don't know. That's not in uh, uh, Fahrenheit, so people have to do that math. But cold as hell outside. I went in one of the thickest Slurpees I've seen since November. I got so excited that I made us go today when it was minus 40. And I I, I should have the numbers to be able to tell people what that is. Because I don't know what minus that is Minus 40 offhand. is where it meets. Is it? Yeah. That makes no sense. To me. I don't understand <laughs> okay. it as a concept. It burns. It, it doesn't burn. Excuse me. It melts my brain. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But um, yeah, they meet. It's where they meet. I know. Oh, but it was like when I leave my home, even when it's like chillier out, I tend to just hoodie. Mm-hmm. I'll hoodie and mitt, hoodie and toque. But I'd love. I I wait until it's bad. Yeah. Before I, I put a coat over top. And I, yeah, today, mitts, toque, hoodie, coat, everything. Just because I knew. And I don't know if it's if it's that cold are less people getting it. And that's why it's now the consistency I like. Right. Or in my crazy psycho brain, is it the machines are based on what temperature they think it is outside and the temperature has been too warm and the machine is set a certain way. Like, these are questions I want to ask the employees, but I won't because we have a rapport and they seem to think I'm nice and okay mentally. And I don't want them to think that I'm a full crackpot. What I like is the idea that you think the 7-Eleven machines are learning computers. <laughs> Essentially, well, <laughs> the T one thousand, or any have of you the, seen this? Boy? Have you seen this yeah. boy? Um, yeah, I look. To be honest with you, you may not be wrong. There, uh, weirder. I wouldn't be shocked. Sure. I just again, I I love I love mm-hmm. also that you're like I have a theory that they can tell the t- <laughs> they can tell the weather, and I want to yeah. ask, but I refuse because I don't want to be reviewed as a crazy old Maurice. Always yeah. good for a laugh. Thank um, you so much for that. You're very welcome. I love. I mean, all of this. it to me. I'm thinking more like: Is it possible that there's like a dial? So taking it back a little technology wise, uh, on the back of the machine, so that it's set for like what the weather should be outside. So that in the warmer months the machine is a, is colder, and in the winter months the machine's a little warmer. Could be, but. But but then, if that's true, then 
why on earth would they have it running hotter than it should <laughs> for the last six weeks of my life? Give me what I fucking want is all I'm asking in a nice way. I just want a very specific consistency. And then there are the times you go in and you look at it from like across uh, the way and you, it's like your eyes meet yeah. across a room and you're drawn. Um and you see it and you're like, oh, my God, it's tan. It's perfect. And you get closer and you find out it's almost mostly white and most of the flavor is out of it. And it's worse than when it's just a slop pail. I <laughs> oh, God. The emotional roller coaster I have at that store. But what I love is I now have a rapport with at least 98% of those employees where it'll be like, They'll serve the person in front of me and they'll be like, oh, yeah, have a good day. And then as soon as I pull up next, then they almost like shoulders drop a little like they almost relax where they're like, I can. It's cool. I don't have to worry. You know, I don't have to be like specific with this one. She's fine. Whatever. Right. Because it always goes from like, hey, have a good day. Hey. Like always. It's it's very sweet. I'm charmed. I'm charmed by them. I love that. There, I've said it. I'd like to talk about something very briefly I'm not charmed by. Oh, I would love to hear it. So Because I'll rage. The Golden Globes have happened. I still haven't mm. watched them, which is unprecedented for me. I've been very busy. I'm back at work. There's there's 4 a.m. wake-ups. You know what I mean? So there's lots of happening. Of course. And really, um, what's, uh, what's the drive to watch it? Well, yeah. I guess this is like, you know, award season for me is like, is like uh, playoffs. It's like sports playoffs. You know what I mean? Like this is when you put it like that. I like that you've put it in a language I understand. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, there's been all this controversy about Joe Coy who hosted. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I hadn't watched any of it. So I sure. didn't know what the jokes were. And I still mm -hmm. haven't seen them all. But I just need to speak to something very quickly. He made a joke about like Oppenheimer was written about was written based on this very thick Pulitzer book, Prize, Pulitzer Prize winning, winning book, cetera, 700 and some page book. Yeah. And then he said, and Barbie was based on a plastic doll with big boobies. Yep. That was the punchline. And yep. I'm going to say it right now. I'm not even going to get into why that's offensive. I'm not even going to get into of the course. feminism. I'm not going to get into the misogyny. I'm not even going to, because for me, I'm like, this is exhausting. Yeah. Here's what I have to say. Dear world, I implore you. Mm -hmm. I, Lauren Ash, implore you from the depths of my soul. If you are a man, if you are an adult man, mm -hmm. can you not say boobies? Can we just stop it? Mm -hmm. Sir, mm -hmm. I can't. It literally yeah. makes me physically ill. Yep. I, it, it grosses me. I, tits bothers me less. Oh, if he yeah, had said I a plastic doll with big tits, I would have been like, don't like the joke. But it wouldn't have made me feel like vomiting. Sure. Big boobies? I can't. Oh, he absolutely thought that boobies was the winner in that joke. Even if it was boobs, I'll take literally, I'll take any other term for breast, please, Alex. Any other term. Yeah. 
any other term, if you are an yeah. adult, if you are over, I'll say it, if you're over the age of, of 15, it's out of the vocabulary. We've got to do better. And listen, men of the world, if you want to be an ally to women, stop saying fucking boobies. It's repulsive and not cute. We could also just get rid of it for even under 15. I guess for me, I see it as for children, you know, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't make me want to like wretch. If a child oh, says if, it, I'm if like, one of my youngest said boobies, I'd go, no, <laughs> just just shut that down. No. Oh, yeah, I get it. It's it. It took the the non-existent joke that it already was and made it so much worse and more juvenile. And then, of course, if we're going to get into the comedy aspect. Sure. He then started commenting like, I only had 10 days to prepare. I didn't write all these jokes. You guys are all laughing at the ones I want. And here's here's look, I said I wasn't going to get into any of this, but here's what I'll just say. There is nothing that makes someone's insecurities shine brighter. Mm then defending a joke in the moment and also saying, I didn't write it. Wasn't me. Yeah. Why did he get that job? I mean, again, these are these are the bigger, the bigger pieces of conversation. Um because sure. I guess the, the last thing I will say is, you know who I've never heard anyone complain about hosting? Tina and Amy. Correct. Tina and Amy. I've only ever heard bring them back. Everyone loves Tina and Amy. And and look, Tina and Amy, it's not up to them to host every award show in existence. But what I would sure. take from that is uh, maybe more women. Maybe more women. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like that. Barbie was the, the biggest movie of the year. And we're messing around with this. This clown. Yeah. Did we learn anything from Barbie? Did we learn anything we... that maybe female-driven things are successful and there's an audience yeah. for it and people want to pay money to see it? Like, oh, huh. we learned nothing. Uh I mean, we, anybody who learned things from Barbie, we already knew that. Well, and that's a great Any, point. Anybody um, who was learning that for the first time, uh, just over the head. Yeah. Like those studios being like, wow, a movie about a doll did well. Well, I guess we're doing Polly Pocket. <laughs> Stop. Do not fuck with Miss Pocket. Miss <laughs> Because I'm also like, which po which Polly? Are you going classic teeny tiny eighties? And if there are you going isn't... the new one with the rubbery clothes? Oh yeah. Are you gonna somehow do an in between? Are you gonna do the new version of teeny tiny? No, because if they don't bend in half weirdly, I don't want it. Well, how is it gonna work? Exactly are they gonna the fuse people's legs together and have them on a on a circular? disc and have them hop around like you know well and that's the thing i have no idea unless they're gonna rip barbie off i don't see how they're gonna do this and i'm sure they'll be great and i already can't remember who they linked to it but stop barbie wasn't a hit because it was about a nostalgic toy like you just have to stop leave miss pocket where she is let her be what she is. I don't need her to be anything else. I don't need them to ruin that for me. Um, yeah, look, I didn't watch. The, I didn't even know it was on 
Yeah. Until I saw all the backlash the next day. And I was like, what's going on? And so I was like, I need to see. So I saw the the opening bit because I was like, well, I need to see uh, what's so bad. I couldn't make it all the way through the amount of people that were like, oh. There is a like, super cut going around the internet right now. I'll try to find it to send it to you. And it's just all of the facial reactions from the audience. And there's yep. so many. I think for me, mm-hmm. the, the best moment was when Selena Gomez just slowly put her face in her hands. <laughs> yeah. And I yep. guess for me, that makes it, in a sense, maybe that that's part of, of what the beauty was of that performance, was just seeing all of the faces that we know and love um, mm-hmm. just mortified. I mean, when you, when you mortify Helen yeah. Mirren, I also feel like it's like, I hope that that's helping, making him look inward. You know what I mean? I hope so. I genuinely hope that he looks at this and goes, that was bad. That was not great. I need to be better. As opposed to, well, they're just not funny. Like, I just, I need to believe that that will happen. But I, I, yeah, oh God, I'm already too skeptical this year to to believe that. Um, there was also that whole, that comment he made about Taylor Swift um the whole the difference between the award show and a football game is there's fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift and uh Taylor just didn't respond drank her drink moved on and people are like oh my god overreacting oh can't she take a joke whereas people are praising Ryan Gosling as they should um, for reacting negatively to the boobies joke, which it's like, which again is look at that, which is the whole point of the of the Barbie movie. Like he just, yep. it, it's the fact again that it's like, oh, I, um, yeah, it's 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 in a sense, it's like it's it's a wild. This is a p- piece of of the tapestry of the art because it's wild to me that he couldn't see that it's like you just did the thing like you just did the point the reason the movie was made was because of that um yeah and again that is exactly it when a woman doesn't react she's a bitch and when a man doesn't react ooh, what a what a strong ally what a strong guy right yep yeah bullshit it's all bullshit I mean, kudos to, I'll say it, kudos to both of them. Kudos to Ryan, yep. who I'm just going to call Ryan. Fellow Canadians, I feel like I'm uh, first name basis. Totally. <laughs> Nothing to base that on. Um, I've been watching since Breaker High. I feel like I can get away with that. Um, kudos to Ryan for reacting appropriately. Yeah. And being okay with being like, no, man, grow the fuck up. Yeah. Um, and, and kudos to Miss Swift. Not Canadian, so I feel like I can't. Yeah. Um, for uh for not reacting at all. It also just wasn't that funny a joke. Like I, I don't think that nope. it, it was it was even a matter of whether or not she had a sense of humor about herself. I just also felt like it was like it's just not like there's there's no real joke there. Cause because guess not. what, by the way? Um in a sense, sure, yeah, there's a lot of cut twos during, but it's also not all yeah. NFL games. It's Kansas City NFL games. It's specific NFL games. Right. Yeah. And also, by the way, she didn't ask for it. So. Correct. To me, there's nothing that's really even funny there. It's more just like stating nope. a fact. Yeah. but And she's probably like, hey, 
It's okay not to talk about me. Yeah, just let me have a night out with my friends. Yeah. You can, you know, not bring up my name, hoping that it'll get you a laugh. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, I just, it, it, yeah, it's, it's all so, anyway, long story short, way too late. Keep boobies out of your mouths. I beg. Not, okay, that, that was, that was not at all. (laughs) That was not at all how I meant that. (laughs) We gotta just move on. Move along. Yeah, that, uh, that statement is, I mean, I I said it to you, I think, during the Hootenanny. I can't be sure, but. This stuff lives on the internet. Yeah. 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 Keep the term boobies. There it is. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. On that note, what you drinking over there? (laughs) Um, I have an incredibly early appointment um, where a medical professional is going to be up in my face. Yep. So I'm not doing alcohol this evening. Great. For everybody's sake. Yeah. For her. Well, and for Mainly. yourself, and for yourself. and for myself, and for myself, because I have a very early morning. So uh, I'm I'm just doing uh, what I call a folk. Yep. Because it's a because it's a cola. It's not a it's not specifically a Coke. It's not a Pepsi. It's it's a an off brand Coke. So I always call it a folk uh, because I'm charmed by myself uh, and a water. Beautiful. I got a water yeah. going, and I got a, a lime high noon. Oh, nice. Yep. Let's nice. get, let's get lit. Um, listen, let's get into the whole thing. I could not be more excited about this episode of the show. We're of course discussing the Mother God cult. Um, there is obviously a documentary on uh, HBO, as yeah. uh, as I viewed and then messaged Christy and going, we need to talk about it. Uh, I have so many thoughts and I cannot wait to get into all of it. But for those of you who need a little bit of backstory, I'll give it to you now. In April 2021, police discovered a mummified corpse in a house in Colorado. The corpse was said to be the physical vessel of a woman known as Mother God, who led a group called Love Has Won. From the inside, the group was simply trying to help the world have a spiritual awakening and learn that there was more to life than physical objects. But from the outside, the group was a dangerous cult who took advantage of innocent people. So who was Mother God? How did she gain her following? And how did she go from being the manager of a fast food restaurant in Texas to being a blue-tinged corpse in Colorado? Christy Oxborough investigates. I don't normally comment on those, but I'm going to say it. Please. In a word, clean. That's one of the cleanest fucking synopses that I've done on this show. I'm going to say it. Hell yeah. And I like that we're starting the year by complimenting ourselves. Absolutely. I want more of that energy, please. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I was just really proud of the, you know, from the, how'd you go from this in Texas to this in color? I was very proud of that. Um, Absolutely. So again, I say clean. (laughs) I love it. Starting the year off. Right. So, God, we haven't done this in a bit and I almost forgot how. So, oh. Uh, oh, wow. I guess I also haven't done this in a while. A disclaimer. There it is. In this episode. Uh, this episode will contain mentions of alcohol and substance abuse, so trigger warning for those who need it. Now, to fully understand the subject of today's episode, 
we first have to understand kind of the basis of their beliefs to be able to kind of get there. I am the last person that should be having this conversation, but here we go. So some people are fully into the whole like astrology and metaphysical and spiritual new age type of existence. To be clear, I am not here to yuck anyone's yum. If the spiritual new age thing is your vibe, I genuinely love that for you. I am not personally into that sort of thing, but if it gives you happiness and peace and doesn't cause you or anyone else any harm, I am happy that you found the beliefs that you did. I only mention this specifically because the spiritual beliefs that we focus on in this episode, for lack of better words, may seem a bit unusual to some people. Uh, And while I may not agree with them, I want to be clear up front, I am not poking fun at the people who do believe these things. Everyone has their own set of beliefs. We are being respectful. That's all I'm saying. Yes, of course. So the people we focus on today um, believe that there are different dimensions in the universe and therefore different kind of states of consciousness. People on Earth are considered to be living in either 3D, 4D, or 5D. This gets confusing, so I'm just going to try and be as brief as possible uh, to avoid confusion. When you're living in a 3D state, you see things as purely physical, and you believe all people are individuals. 3D tends to focus on like social status, money, a person's identity based on you know, their looks or occupation, that sort of thing. When a person is living in 4D, they start to awaken to the idea that all people are interconnected and maybe there's more to life beyond the physical. People living in 4D feel a strong push to find their true purpose in life and they use like meditation and intuition to expand their understanding of the universe and its power. Then you have 5D. (coughs) Just out the gate. There we go. People realize that everyone is connected and that there is a higher purpose for everything. There is no longer good or bad. Instead, 5D focuses on love, compassion, and connecting to each other and to the planet. Some also believe that there is like 60 or 70, but those levels are typically only reached either through meditation, dreams, certain drugs, or death. Um, They, of course, don't consider it to be death. They consider it ascending from your physical body. Right. After ascension, consciousness can go as high as 10D, Uh, But that involves someone's energy traveling to different galaxies, and even I can't even begin to, to get into that. But basically, in 3D, people believe that we're all just on the planet to work and compete with each other to be what we perceive is the best. 5D, people believe there's a higher purpose for everyone, so they focus on personal growth and finding the meaning of life. So how do we get from the idea of 5D consciousness and the focus on love and enlightenment to a mummified corpse in a private home in Colorado? Well, to connect 
one to the other, we have to talk about Mother God. Of course. Now, I was going into this with my notes. My plan was I was going to refer to her as Mother, although the idea creeps me out just on a personal level. But I've decided we're just going to call her by her her name throughout this whole thing. Great. Um, mainly because somebody in the documentary did say they felt like people forgot who she was to begin with. And so I was like, great point. We'll just keep going and keep referring to her um, by, by her actual name. So there you go. Amy Renee Carlson was born November 30th, 1975 in McPherson, Kansas. Around the age of seven, her parents divorced, which caused a very painful custody battle. By 1984, both of Amy's parents had remarried. Her mother was living in Oklahoma. Her father remained in Kansas. Amy and her sister Tara went back and forth between their parents. Eventually, a third sister, Chelsea, joined the family. When Amy was a teenager, the family moved to Texas. She was described as popular, charming, smart, beautiful. She was a good student. She enjoyed performing in school plays. She sang in the church choir. According to Amy's mother, Linda, Amy struggled with relationships and always seemed to end up with men who were controlling, abusive, and volatile. Linda said that Amy, quote, attracted some of the worst people to her. Throughout her 20s, Amy had three children, first a son named Cole around 1995, then a daughter named Maddie five years later. Amy then got married and had a second son a few years after that. The third child's name has never been made public, as he was a minor at the time of Amy's death. Uh, And while that may sound like a spoiler for the story, just know that it was mentioned in the synopsis. So I've spoiled nothing. No. <laughs> Again, new year, new energy. Yes. Around 1998, Amy started working at McDonald's in Dallas, where she quickly worked her way up to being manager. But not everything was as positive as it seemed. Amy had a lot of traumas from her youth that she was still trying to work through. She suffered an eating disorder when she was just 14 years old. And it was said that her father's new wife was verbally and physically abusive towards the children and that Amy took the brunt of it. So possibly to push past her childhood trauma, Amy started experimenting with ecstasy. And from the very first time, Amy suddenly became very spiritual. She started speaking about angels, energies, the idea of 5D consciousness, Amy started spending a lot of time online, especially on the website lightworkers.org, which claims to be a a spiritual community of people connecting to the higher frequencies of nature. Amy soon quit her job out of the blue and started spending countless hours online on that Lightworkers forum. Her first post on the forum came May 1st, 2006, when Amy wrote, and I quote, My current life situation is living in a world of illusion. On that same forum, Amy met a man named Robert Saltzgaver, who went by the name Amarith White Eagle. 
Amy and Amareth believed they were twin flames, which is somehow not the first time that concept has come up on our show. Yeah. Uh, twin flames, of course, is the idea that two people share one soul. Basically, uh, the ultimate meant-to-be couple like Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn or Christy Oxborough and 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> ah. uh, she is who she is. So, uh, just eight days after Amy's first post, Amareth posted, quote, We must be together in the physical. Now, according to Amareth, there were only 17 days between the first time he spoke to Amy online and when they first met in person. The couple grew closer, and in December that year, while celebrating a birthday at a restaurant with her family, Amy excused herself from the table and left. Her family believed that Amy was simply going to the bathroom, but it turns out she just left the building, went home, packed her stuff, and moved out without saying a word to anyone. On December 10th, Amy posted on the Lightworkers forum that she had released her 3D relationship and she planned to move to Colorado to be with her mountain man. To translate, Amy left her husband and her three kids behind and went to be with Amareth. Amy's kids were 12, 7, and 2 at the time. Her oldest son later said he was supposed to spend Christmas with his mother, but then was told that uh, she left without saying goodbye. Wow. Amy and Amareth moved to Crestone, Colorado, a small town about 194 miles or 312 kilometers south of Denver. At the time, the population of Crestone was about 140. Wow. So Crestone started out as a mining town in the 1870s. 60 years later, the main focus of the area became ranching. In 1977, a Canadian businessman named Maurice Strong bought a huge piece of land with the plan to create a retirement community. But then, a wandering mystic told Maurice that the land had special spiritual qualities So for whatever reason, Maurice just gave the land to multiple religious groups so they could build their own places of worship instead. Huh. And to be clear, he just gave it to them for free. Which is also like, what's up? I'm so skeptical of so many people. Yeah. But uh, Maurice also set up the Manitou Foundation, which was established to preserve the spirituality and ecology of the area to this day despite only having a population of about 150 people crestone somehow remains incredibly spiritually diverse there are 20 different spiritual centers representing faiths like christianity buddhism new age hinduism again in a town that small it's it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, it is also home to the Shumei International Institute, which emphasizes the spiritual aspects of raising food. Shumei has three sacred centers. One of them is in Crestone. The other two are in Japan. So again, Crestone, huh? 
great. I I love that it's got a, a crazy energy to it. So some may question why Crestone is so spiritually diverse for being such a small place. The locals say that Crestone has a high energy and that the veil between the planes of consciousness is the thinnest there. Again, not here to yuck anyone's yum. I'm just going to state that and keep moving. So some have called it the Bermuda Triangle of the West because it has more UFO sightings than Roswell. Wowzer! So Amarith was an artist and a musician when he first met Amy. Unfortunately, I don't know what his age was when they met. He appeared to be several decades older than her. Age is just a number, so we're not going to focus on that part. What we are going to focus on is the fact that Amareth believed he was the father of all creation, or simply Father God. Right. So they started a website called the Galactic Free Press. And the thought was that Amy would share her beliefs and her teachings online. She hoped to help people transition from living in 3D to reaching their potential and living in 5D. And while it all started with Amarith as the main focus with Amy at his side, soon she just kind of took over and the focus became Amy, a.k.a. Mother God. During this time, Amy cut off contact with her family, including her own children, and she started to live her life as Mother God. They posted photos on their website from their wedding, although we can only assume it was more of a wedding in quotation marks as opposed to a legal ceremony. Right. Again, not yucking their yum. If that's what made them happy, good for them. Five years after Amy left her family, she and Amarith started posting videos on a YouTube channel about their goal for peace on Earth. Amy said, quote, we aren't here to start a revolution. We are here to advance evolution. The channel, uh, which seems to have been created back in 2009, originally belonged to Amarith, who posted videos of himself as Father God in which he would tell viewers that they were loved unconditionally and that they should look inside themselves for joy. However, as of 2012, the main focus of the videos was Amy as Mother God. Amy then started a new group called Mother God and the First Contact Ground Crew Team, and she started adding talk about starships and extraterrestrials into her videos. Amy claimed she had been brought to Earth to welcome back the people who'd been gone for 19 billion years. Yes, you did just hear what you heard, and we're just gonna hit it and move on. <laughs> yeah. I don't even have, because I don't even have words for a response to that. Well, so, yeah. As the YouTube channel gained followers, Amy was constantly sharing her beliefs in chat rooms, forums, newsletters. In early 2014, Amy left Amarith for a man she met online named Miguel Lamboy. And if leaving Amarith wasn't enough, Amy then told her followers, oh yeah, by the way, Amarith wasn't really Father God after all, which I find bold. 
for someone who came in to a pre-existing thing and then was like, he's full of shit. Yeah. Wild to me. Uh, but she said, don't worry. She had taken father's energy and was now herself, as Mother God, more powerful. After that, any man that Amy dated suddenly was just automatically the new father god. And I know what you're thinking. How can there be multiple father gods? Well, according to Amy, the energy of father god was so large that it couldn't be contained in just one person. But she was adamant that there could only be one mother god. And I know that I am a skeptical person, but I think that Amy felt that she needed to justify her relationships, which she absolutely did not. Be with whoever you want to be with. It's not our business. But for some reason, any man that she dated was suddenly the new father god. Maybe she did it to justify why she was allowed to be in a romantic relationship, even though she expected her followers to be celibate. Maybe that was part of it. Uh, so Amy meets Miguel in an online chat room. He would later go by the names Archangel Michael or Michael Silver. But to avoid confusion, we're just going to call him Miguel. And you're going to find that's going to happen a lot today because part of the problem for me in that documentary was everyone had a name they were born with and a name they were given uh, uh, by this group. And I felt like the names didn't come up on the screen often enough. So I kept getting a lot of those ladies mixed up yeah. in my head. I had to go back through notes today and fix one of them because I was like, that wasn't faith. It was hope. <laughs> like, it's just it, it, uh, the levels we go to on the program. So I've also become obsessed with calling it the program for no reason. Oh, I, I'm all for it. I, I assumed you would be. So as far as I can tell, Miguel was never officially a father god. Or at least he never had that title because he had the archangel title. Uh, but some past followers say he was definitely in a relationship with Amy when they first met. Does that matter to the story? It doesn't, which is why I'm not uh, belaboring it. So Miguel becomes quite taken with Amy. They talk a lot. Miguel takes the train from Brooklyn to Colorado to be with Amy. Miguel claims Amy cured his end-stage lung cancer. Hmm. Do we believe that? Absolutely not. But somehow it is the least bizarre claim that I am going to say in this episode. So shortly after Michael joined, or sorry, Miguel, because they also called him Michael. Shortly after Miguel joins the group, Amy meets Andrew Profaci on their website. Andrew had started taking drugs. He was in a bad place mentally. He said when he first showed up in Crestone, he took mushrooms with Amy and Miguel, and that Amy called him one of the most brilliant beings. Soon, Amy introduced Andrew in her YouTube video as the new father god. And not only did Andrew bring new energy to the channel, he also helped to make it successful. Andrew had a background in internet marketing and building websites, and he told Amy the name First Contact Ground Crew Team was too long to catch attention to the average internet user. 
So based on Andrew's suggestion, the group's name was changed to Love Has Won. And soon their website started getting increased traffic, which led to more followers until Love Has Won became one of the most well-known spiritual groups in the world. And while only a handful of members actually lived with Amy, many participated in group chats through Skype. There were members of Love Has Won worldwide, including South Africa, Central America, and Australia. In 2019, the group officially became a nonprofit charitable organization based on the paperwork filed by Miguel, uh, who dealt with all the financials for the group. And I know that some of you may be thinking, how on earth did this group even have financials? Well, they started using their live streams and their videos to push Gaia's whole healing essentials, which was their e-commerce store. They sold clothing, candles, cleansing tools, crystals, essential oils, and shit like colloidal silver, which we're just going to put a pin in that and come back to that later because it's not important yet. So they also sold something called an Ascension Guide, which suggests grounding tools that people can use to help them ascend to a higher level. Some of those tools include, and I'm being serious, smoking organic cigarettes, taking cold showers, eating red meat at least twice a week, and sun gazing. What's sun gazing, you ask? It's literally staring into the sun. <sighs> the group also did psychic surgery, which Lauren first mentioned back in our conscious development episode, which was number 111 for those keeping track at home. Amy and some of the executive members of the group also did healing and spiritual awakening sessions and online consultations for a fee. Of course. Me! Sorry. <laughs> Bean is like, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about cult. It's, uh, it's been a while since we've recorded, and I forgot that what I need to do before each record all is toys. put away all the squeaky toys. Oh, of course. Yeah, come here then. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. Couldn't be happier. She's just checking in. She is. Oh, I like that. She's, She's like, well, in. you're not paying attention to me, and there's lots of things over here that make noise, so... This is what we've learned. You, you take a few weeks off, and you forget who you are. Yeah. I, I suddenly get all those memes everyone's posting about, like, you get back to work in the new year, and you're like, what do I do for a living? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, I absolutely get that. So, in the HBO documentary, one of the members said... The hippies in the 60s and 70s got it wrong by rejecting society because what they should have done was tried to profit off people, which feels weird coming from a group that supposedly focused on love and joy. But I, I am not an expert to play one on this program. Of course. So Amy's goal was to gain exactly 144,000 followers who Amy would awaken to 5D consciousness. Why 144,000 exactly? Well, according to the internet, that specific number is linked to multiple religions, 
Uh, the Unification Church believes there are 144,000 church or saints. Jehovah Jehovah's Witnesses believe there are 144,000 that will rule with Christ in heaven. The King James Bible uh, said 144,000 were redeemed from earth. And there are multiple New Age movements, um, such as the Church Universal and Triumphant, that believes 144,000 souls were brought from Venus. I don't have time to even begin to dissect that last statement. So we're just going to focus on Amy Carlson. Mm -hmm. So Amy plans to gain this very specific amount of followers that she's going to save by awakening them to 5D. What about the rest of the planet? Because there's a lot more than 144,000 people on mm -hmm. the planet. Oh, everyone else is just going to have their energies recycled into the sun. Which is not real, but it sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to anyone who, I don't know, may be in a vulnerable place, it might seem like following along would be the safest route. But that's what cults do. They make people trust them and believe that their way is the only possible way they can survive. But like every cult, love has won seemed one way from the outside and a completely different way from the inside. Amy was the main focus and the star of the show. She was charismatic. People were drawn to her. But former members say that Amy was high from the moment she woke up until the moment she went to bed at night. She also struggled deeply with alcohol abuse. When the second father god, a.k.a. Andrew, started getting concerned about Amy, he tried to talk her out of it. But she said, quote, I have no anger or trauma. I'm 100% light. Couple of things. Yeah. One, if someone says, I'm concerned about you, and your response is, I have no trauma, you have trauma. <laughs> Second, someone who is happy and truly at peace is not going to drink themselves to sleep every night. I am not an expert. I'm also not shaming in any way. I'm just saying if you're high or drunk all day, every day, then it is very unlikely that you are truly at peace. Yeah. Most members of the group weren't worried about Amy. Um, they said alcohol and drugs were the tools that Amy used to combat the physical pain that she experienced. Because according to the group, Amy was like a filtration system because she cleansed the world of negative energies and low vibrations. And because the world refused to wake up to the truth of 5D consciousness, Amy claimed to be in physical pain just all the time. They claimed that she reached over 800 levels of pain, which is something that can't be comprehended in human terms. It's just like they make up their own words sometimes. Yeah. They're like, it makes sense to us. And we're like, but it's not. And they're like, because you don't get it. And it's like, I, are you speaking English? <laughs> like, I don't, like, I, it, uh, yeah. I've never felt more like a Nana. So Andrew, bless his heart, constantly brought up his concerns about Amy. Every other person there just brushed them off. Andrew 
claims there were moments when he finally got Amy to admit that she wasn't, in fact, a god. But then she'd go speak to Miguel, and he'd have her convinced back that she had the power and she was god and all of the above. It got to the point where Andrew was given an ultimatum to either fully believe in Amy or leave. And Andrew chose to go. And I respect that. He tried. It was like hitting a brick wall. And he did what was right for him and he left. But never fear. The group wasn't without a father god for long. John Robertson, a former member of the U.S. Marine Corps, joined Love Has Won in 2018 and quickly became father god number three. That same year, multiple new members started living with the group. I only mention these to show the diversity uh, of the group. Um, There was a young mother uh, who had four children and brought all four children with her uh, to the group. Uh, There was a 60-year-old mother and grandmother, a young woman who recently graduated from law school, but let that part of her life go because a a member from Love Has Won told her she was really an archangel. Another person who joined Love Has Won that year was Jason Castillo. And even though John was Father God at the time, Amy decided that Jason was the true Father God. So John's position changed and he became known as Father Multiverse, or FM for short. The thing about Jason, um, number four, uh, Father God, just keeping track, he had quite a long criminal history, including charges for child neglect, criminal mischief, driving under the influence, which actually happened twice, uh, breaking and entering, and trespassing. And while Amy was drawn to Jason immediately, multiple members were immediately concerned about him, a few outright said they believed that Amy would still be alive today if it wasn't for Jason. And Jason outright admitted, quote, I brought all the darkness home. I killed her energetically. Yeah, that statement was a wild one to hear him say in the documentary. Uh, and so cash. Very Very cash. Very, yeah, I have so many things to say about, well, all of this, but Jason Jason specifically, yes. I will also just very quickly, I have to give a shout out, which you're going to absolutely love. Um, Friend of the podcast, Ben Feldman, (laughs) sent me a message. And this is why I love Ben so much. I hadn't heard from him in a while. You know, know, people, you know, there's there's lapses in, in, in contact. Out of nowhere, with no context, he sent me a text that just said, were you attracted to Father God? (laughs) (laughs) Assuming very much. And then I just said, you know, well, I said, that's the old me, Ben. Uh, But but then I also said, all, all I thought was, when I saw him was, oh, yeah, this woman... This woman is broken like I am. <laughs> Look, uh, he asked you. He didn't ask me. Um, but I will answer and say, yes, 
but only number two. Well, listen, here's the thing. He was he was speaking specifically about Jason Castillo. And, oh, I and, guarantee that, yes. Yeah, but here's what I said, and then I went on to cite him, and I don't have to share the whole conversation, but, but basically what I was saying was that was the old me. But when I viewed it, I was like, I could see how she'd get caught up in that kind of guy. You know what I mean? Really? Wow, we not, are Not different. because she should. I'm saying oh, from of a, course. From I didn't a, think you were saying he's a great choice. No. I love him. But no, I'm I saying I've, I mean, look, there's, we don't have to get into the specifics, but on my list, there's a few, there's a few chasing Castillo. <laughs> <laughs> and the growth yep. is then learning, no, this is not the right idea. This guy killed her sure. energetically. And may I add, those men nearly killed me energetically. So, oh, um, sure. yeah. So shout out to Feldman who, who picked it up right away and, and shout out to me for all the work I've done. Yes. Oh, oh, a hundred percent. Cause yeah, now I look at him and go, God, no, God, no. I guess shout out to father God, Jason for being self-aware. It's something, I mean, I don't know if he deserves that much credit, but the whole point yeah, is Yeah, I this. don't want to shout him out. I take him back. Yeah, we take that back. <laughs> but the point is, it's time for our first break. Hit the can. Yeah. Grab another break. Grab another break. Grab another drink. Damn it. And we're going to be back with more on the Mother God Cult episode of True Crime and Cocktails. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're, of course, discussing the Mother God cult. Before the break, we were talking about Jason Castillo killing her energetically. Yeah. Uh, where are we going now? Well, uh, before the break, I mentioned very briefly uh, that love has won might not have been as peace and love as they seemed. In May 2013, the group started adding conspiracy theories and QAnon bullshit mm -hmm. to their videos. Just like obnoxious, impossible to believe crap like Pizzagate or the world's top billionaires are literally eating children. Or Donald Trump is a good person. <laughs> that yeah. will be the last time I'm mean about him. I love it. Um, as of this record, QAnon is currently responsible for the Love Has One Telegram page. Interesting. So that's something. Um, 
And while many of us find that QAnon stuff to be unbelievable, it's possible that members of Love Has Won truly believe what is being said. It's also possible that they just latched on to those ideals to gain followers. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, But the thing that gets me about this group is they push the idea of peace and love towards everyone, and yet they seem to be some of the angriest people that I have ever seen. For example, during a live stream, a member named Ashley, who was renamed Archaea Hope by the group, because they all got different names, but uh, let's just focus on Ashley. It's too much to add too many names. Um, She mentioned that one of her family members, specifically her mother, started a group to try and stop Love Has Won. Ashley said, quote, I fucking hate that bitch. Fuck you. You know who you are. To be clear, Ashley's mother had seen Ashley on the group's live streams before, and she'd become concerned for her daughter's safety. So she started a Love Has Won exposed page on Facebook, and numerous people came forward to say they were worried about their own family members who had also joined the group. Um, This led to wellness checks by the police, which then just set uh, the group off, made them quite angry. Uh, During a live stream in 2019, one member said, quote, you either stand by Mother God or you'll be taken out like a fly on a windshield. I assume that's when our energy is supposed to be recycled into the sun. Of course. Uh, In that same live stream, another member named Adam said, quote, anyone who tries to fuck with us will kill you. We will fucking kill you because there's no time left. And we've seen our moms suffer so much. I know so many people watch these live streams. I know there's rich people out there with millions of dollars who watch these. And how dare you? We're coming for you. When asked about it later, Adam said it wasn't a threat, but rather a friendly reminder to those who refused to return to the ways of natural life, law, and existence. Again, it's just weird to hear so much anger coming from these people who claim to be all about love. Yeah. But maybe the members are just following the example of their leader, Amy, who seemed to be the angriest of all. Members say... Amy was drunk nearly all the time, and that she would become domineering and angry whenever she drank. Some members said she became difficult to be around. Um, An example is that she would scream and berate the members if they didn't make her food right. Because the group filmed nearly everything, they managed to catch a moment when someone made Amy meatballs, and her response was, quote, my vision was chicken parmesan. I love meatballs, but I didn't fucking say that. Jesus. To be clear, from the best I can tell, she didn't say chicken parmesan. She thought it in her mind, and it's the fact that they didn't prepare what she thought. Right. That sent her uh, into a rage. Uh, The group even had protocols for how Amy's food was meant to be prepared. That include included uh, Amy had to smoke pot for two hours or or two hours prior to eating. And whoever prepared the food um, had to pray over the food and listen to Amy's favorite music while they were cooking. 
there were five protocols total. That was just uh, two of them. Jesus. You know. Uh, But no matter how mean or angry Amy would get, the members would let her behavior slide because they said she was only acting that way because of the intense pain she was in. They say that Amy was physically processing all of the world's pain. They also claimed Amy was normally kind and loving, but when another spirit entered her body, she became angry. And usually, when Amy was in pain, uh, her followers were to blame. It was said that if they did something wrong, then Amy physically suffered. So she would often scream and rant at her followers. Uh, Sometimes she did so through Skype, even though they all were living in the same building. Um, There was a time um, that during... got picked up during a live stream because, of course, they're all in the same house and uh, you can hear her when she's really screaming. Um, There was a time where she screamed, quote, where is my tequila? You dick whores. Dick whores might now be my favorite insult. Yeah, that I've ever heard. I didn't see it coming. Um, This is just a reminder. This is the same woman who once said, quote, why does everyone hate me? I'm the most loving being of all. Again, I just don't understand how the members were so willing to turn a blind eye to Amy's rage by simply saying she's allowed to do or say what she wants because she's God. During a live stream in 2019, Amy physically abused a cat and kept screaming in the cat's face that it was a whore. Jesus. The group received a lot of backlash online for that one but the love has one members responded by saying and i quote well all animals know she's god which um is not a response at all no so there's that um speaking of abuse uh there were allegedly times when amy would lock a distressed child in a closet as a form of punishment um this happened um apparently multiple times and she would scream at them through the door you need to surrender surrender now i did not look further into the age of the child because i i uh didn't want to know yeah um and it wasn't just anger or abuse the group also allegedly uh made homophobic racist and anti-semitic comments during their live streams like when they called the holocaust a a hoax or said that being gay is, quote, resistant to God's divine plan. So I guess when the group says to love each other, they only meant specific people, <clears throat> which is gross. Yeah. Uh, we're going to call it like it is. Spreading lies and hate to a large audience is incredibly dangerous, just like being in that group was dangerous. And I know I keep calling them a group. I think at this point it's safe to just outright call them a cult because they were. They outright acted as a cult. When new members came in, they got love bombed hard. They were shown love and support and made to believe they were in a safe, loving space. But then things would turn and they'd make the members partake in live streams where the group would sit for hours and do what cults refer to as hot seat techniques. Uh, Basically, a member would be bombarded with accusations and criticisms to the point they'd lose their confidence and their full sense of self. 
because once a person has been humiliated publicly, they're more likely to agree with whatever the leader says. There was even one particular live stream where John, aka Father Multiverse, was berated for the transgressions that he committed in the year 1431. Uh, That was the same year that Amy was living as Joan of Arc. Oh, of course. Um, But, you know, uh, more on that uh, in a bit. Uh, Amy controlled the sleep schedule of the members. She expected them to be celibate and avoid any romantic relationships, um, which is interesting since she herself had multiple romantic relationships over the course of her being God. Um, And she often took naps, uh, if we're going to talk sleep schedule. Um, But the members said, to the untrained eye, it looked like Amy was napping. In reality, she was having an etheric or spiritual meeting. And I'm sorry, I'm trying incredibly hard to be respectful here, but that is outright bullshit. If it looked like she was napping, I guarantee it's because she was napping. Yeah. But Amy also controlled her followers by monitoring their food intake. She claimed that a person's vibration would be higher if they ate less food. So she kept a close eye on her own weight, uh, which sounds like maybe her teenage eating disorder did not truly go away. Um, But it wasn't just herself. Amy said that she wanted the entire group to transition out of needing food or sleep. And honestly, depriving people of food and sleep is a textbook way of controlling them. And if a member didn't live up to the group's expectations, they were kicked out for having low energy. One past member was abandoned in a campground with no food or shelter and told to just figure it out herself. In May 2020, a man named Alex abandoned his family in Mississippi to join Love Has Won after spending six weeks obsessively watching their videos. After appearing with the group in a live stream, begging viewers to send money for mother, Alex was found wandering in the desert north of Crestone, naked and dehydrated. Turns out the group didn't feel that Alex had the right energy, or as they phrased it, quote, he was in a shroom cloud on the wrong side of the mountain. Jason, aka Father God, decided Alex should be shunned and forced to fight the darkness in the desert for three days. Alex was lucky to survive. Unfortunately, before being kicked out of the group, Alex donated his $20,000 severance to the group, which, of course, he never got back. Right. Uh, After returning home, Alex worked with a cult specialist who managed to deprogram him from the Love Has Won beliefs. It took six months. Not unlike what happened with Alex, the group often encouraged members to cut ties with their Earth family, a.k.a. uh, biological family uh, or marriage or whatever, you know. Um, Members were also expected to give any money they had to the group for the sake of mother. Uh, One member mentioned in the documentary he emptied his bank account and cashed out his 401k and gave all the money to Amy. Another member named Robbie Foley allegedly gave the group $10,000 
and an SUV. And then he disappeared. Robbie has not been seen or heard from since August 2019. Yowza. And not only were members expected to donate their money, they also weren't even allowed to spend their own money regardless as to the amount. After joining the group, one member was told she wasn't allowed to buy a slice of pizza with her own money. And yet, Amy was allowed to spend the group's money any way she saw fit. At first, she bought dresses and jewelry on Amazon. Then she bought a portable hot tub and a go-kart. Which is weird, because I so thought this was a group that was supposed to, you're supposed to go beyond physical objects. Right. But Great point. M- maybe I maybe I misheard that. I didn't. I'm playing it up for the camera. <laughs> Not the camera. You knew what I meant. For the microphones. I I'm got playing it. it up for the mic. There it is. But again, this is how a cult works. They reel you in with empty promises. Spend the first few weeks making you feel safe and secure. Then they expect you to give them every dime to your name, which they guilt you about by saying, if you were a true believer, you'd do it. So Love Has Won would do live streams for hours. Their ultimate goal was to go live 24-7. They kept saying they wanted to be fully transparent, let everybody see everything. And I think that would have been a horrible idea. Um, But by early 2018, Amy started spending less and less time in front of the camera, leaving the live streams to uh, the more new, enthusiastic followers. Uh, The members would often say that Amy couldn't appear on video because her vibration was so high that it might cause the viewers' bodies to explode. Oh, wow. And if that sounds like absolute bullshit to you, then you've come to the your favorite part in the show. And that is where I tell you all the things that Amy and Love Has Won have claimed over the years that I personally think are absolutely made up. <laughs> the fact that I finally get to be the skeptic that I've always been. Yes. So, I mean, right out the gate, sun gazing. Uh, they claimed that there were some sort of light codes in the sun that you could see if you looked close enough. It's 2024. I can't believe I have to say this. Please do not look directly into the sun. Yeah. Some other things the group has said that I call bullshit. As mentioned earlier, the group claimed that while it may look like Amy was napping, she was really having... An etheric meeting. Nope. Absolutely sleeping. Uh, According to the group, if you look closely, you can see starships in the sky. But if you're not a believer, they just look like clouds to you. Member Archaea Hope. This is a quote from her. All physical illnesses are a symptom of an energetic imbalance. Call me skeptical all you want, but I believe in medical science. (laughs) I've said what I've said. Uh, A member, Archaea Aurora, said that drugs and alcohol were, quote, true tools of joy if you're using them in a conscious way. That woman was drunk and or high all day. Do you think that was a conscious way? 
Anyhow. Yeah. John, a.k.a. Father Multiverse, said he knew Mother was going to ascend the planet because she is the planet. John, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> In September 2007, Amy posted on the Lightworkers Forum claiming that spirits had told her she was going to be president of the United States. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. The group claimed that Amy was in a constant battle with the Cabal, who, according to Rolling Stone, is a global organization determined to keep humanity in a low vibrational state. Because of this battle, the group says... There were 600 assassination attempts on Amy's life, including the time when a sword sliced through one of her hearts. Yes, I said <laughs> one of. Or the time when Amy was struck in the pancreas and spleen with etheric darts. What are etheric darts? In short, not real. Yeah. So there's that. I like that skeptical me just gets angry. <laughs> I love it. I just don't accept bullshit is my problem. I don't think it's a problem. Problem. Um, I'd say your strength. Thank you so much. Uh, Amy claimed that an obscure technology was stolen from Atlantis, causing an explosion which sunk the island. But don't worry. Despite the explosion, Amy was able to save the technology but she wasn't able to ascend to the fifth level of consciousness because humanity wasn't ready yet, which is why she remained on Earth in human form until 2021. Of course. <laughs> Love Has Won claimed that Amy was a spiritual surgeon who could cure ailments like Lyme disease, addiction, and cancer. Again, I believe in medical science. The group believed that Amy had lived 534 past lives. This included um, her time as a Mayan queen or princess, Cleopatra, Jesus, Queen Elizabeth, Harriet Tubman, Joan of Arc, Marilyn Monroe, and Madame Blavsky, who was a Russian mystic from the 1800s, who co-founded Theosophy, I don't know if I said that right, um, which is a philosophy based on the idea that the purpose of human life is spiritual emancipation. Uh, Blavsky, again, I think I'm saying that wrong, uh, was described as, quote, one of the most accomplished, ingenious, and interesting imposters in history. But I assume uh, that was mainly based on the fact that she was caught faking a seance multiple times. <laughs> uh, the group believed that Amy was once a que the queen of a mythical continent called Lemuria. Uh, some believe Lemuria existed millions of years ago uh, before it sank into the ocean. Oh, and it, as an added fun fact, when Amy was this queen of this mythical place millions of years ago donald trump was her father i'll just give you a minute <laughs> jesus christ <sighs> speaking <Look>. of trump <laughs> yeah 
please. I was just going to say, like, look, I'm pretty woo-woo. We talk about this on the show of a lot. I, this house is full of crystals. But, like, come on, guys. <laughs> it's just. It's tough. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. That's the it's problem tough. is that it's like there's so many beginnings of, of beliefs that I can get on board with. But sure. it's the execution and everything that comes with it that just makes me. Ah, this kind of woo-woo seems like it makes a mockery of your kind of woo-woo. I think that's what I'm saying. I think that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's making, this is why people are, are, are. So hard against it. Yeah. Cause again, yeah. it's like this, there's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Trump, the group believed that Trump and Hitler were light workers. For those who are unaware, because I certainly was a light worker, is someone who feels an enormous pull towards helping other people. You know, off the top of my head, I honestly can't think of two more people who embody the idea of selflessly helping others less than Trump and Hitler. Yeah, yeah. Because then you go like, where, where, what part of the cult is that? Is this when somebody's going, here's what we got to do. We got to take something and then tell them that the exact opposite is true. Because if we can gaslight them into believing that, then they'll follow us they'll forever. Believe anything. Yeah. Or is it that they really believe that to be true? Because I don't know that I buy oh, that. I I have to believe they can't. They don't believe it. But yeah, maybe they're just seeing what they can get away with. But good yeah. Lord. Uh, one member said, and I quote, the bad guys don't want Trump to be the good guy because he will take down the bad guys. Insert me silently, silently referencing the camera here. Uh, <laughs> because, no. Um, Amy claimed that Elvis was her son. She also claimed that there is a group of global elite with ties to the Illuminati, mm. who orchestrate the dark sham that is modern life in which everything from wars to pandemics are just illusions meant to keep humanity in a state of fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amy once said, quote, I cut cords with everything and everyone, and I reattach all my energetic cords to miracles to magical synchronistic events. Not to sound like a stick in the mud, <laughs> but that's utter nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they take sentences and they just, it's like they were like, this sounds so smart, but it's like, think about it again. Like the guy that's like, of course she's going to ascend the planet. She is the planet. Get out. Again, I'm like, are you just saying things? To your point, yeah, it's like, do you really believe that? And then I guess I would say, explain it to me. But I think the point is that they're like, we don't have to, man. And then you're like, I don't get it. And they're like, exactly. 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 Like yeah. Ah, uh, but if I'm going to talk about nonsense, <laughs> I absolutely cannot mention love has won without mentioning amy's galactic a-team <laughs> aka oh. the galactics 
Who are they? Well, according to Love Has Won, the Galactics are a group of celebrities who have passed, who guide the group and give them protocols to live by. Who is in this group of celebrities? I'm so glad you asked. It is a large list, so I'm not going to give you everybody, but I'm going to give you a shocking number of people. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, buckle up. Just when you think you'll be like, that'll be the last. Wow, no, she's still going. Yeah, it's a lot. So, John Candy, Leonard Nimoy, Walt Disney, John Ritter, Jim Henson, Bob Marley, Regis Philbin, Kobe Bryant, George Carlin, Kenny Rogers, Jonathan Winters, <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Steve Irwin, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Rodney Dangerfield, Jerry Lewis. Hey, lady! Hey, lady! <laughs> Bringing that back. John Lennon, George Burns, Fred Rogers, Christopher Reeve, Patsy Cline, Chris Farley, Tupac, David Bowie, Carrie Fisher, Prince, George Michael, Tom Petty, Gene Wilder, and Aretha Franklin. Now, there it's she's there's a photo they have where they photoshopped all of these celebrities and so many more um into this photo with Amy up like in the center. I'll try and get a decent picture of it and uh, post it in the case file. Um, also included in this list, Donald Trump and Carol Burnett. <laughs> I'd like to remind that those two people are both still very much alive. Yeah. Wow. Um, but the main celebrity, the number one galactic that Amy allegedly had the biggest connection with was Robin Williams. Mm. Why Robin? I honestly don't know because it was never specifically said by the group, but I saw something that claimed the group had once said that on the day that Robin Williams passed, Love Has One suffered a power outage, and when the power came back on, they saw the news of his death, and Amy said that Robin came to her and agreed to be a galactic. I don't know how accurate that is, um, but I also don't think there will ever be an answer uh, that will ever make sense. No. So, uh, one member said, quote, I have seen Robin Williams come through Mother God because she's on alcohol. She utilized it as a tool because we needed to hear it. Now, as you may recall earlier, I mentioned the group said Amy would become angry and scream when she was drunk. And I know that I didn't know Robin Williams personally. Um, But when I think of him, I just immediately think of light. So to suggest that Amy's anger and yelling was just Robin Williams coming through is insulting to his memory. I don't want to quote Will Smith, but keep his name out your mouth. As well as the boobies. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Also, she used alcohol as a tool because they needed to hear the messages she was giving. What? (laughs) Like the time she called you all dick whores because you didn't bring her her alcohol fast enough? You had to hear that? It's how quickly they will just anything negative. They're like, no, it's fine. 
uh, it's shocking to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that I just, uh, you know, I love that I improvised that and I'd already written it down. God, I know me. <laughs> Anyhow, it's your thoughts, Christy. Stop it. So, ah, I think it is more than possible that Amy was suffering from some sort of mental illness. So a lot of the anger and yelling might not have been her fault. The drugs and alcohol definitely made things worse, but whatever Amy said, her followers ate it up. It got to the point where they'd just sit in her bedroom 24-7, and people would take notes on every single thing that happened. They have notebooks full of things like what drugs Amy took that day, every single thing she said, and how many times a day she sneezed and at what time of day it happened. I promise you, the amount and time of sneezes is not information that anyone is ever going to care about. So I mentioned earlier that some of the members felt that Jason Castillo, a.k.a. Fourth Father God, was beginning was the beginning of the end for Amy. A bit of background on Father God. Please. (coughs) So, Jason's father left the family when he was three years old. Uh, In his youth, he excelled at football and baseball. In 1999, he was, I think, early 20s-ish at the time. I think he was born around 1975. So, yeah, he would have been like 24, 25-ish. Um. He moved to Sacramento, where he met a woman, and they had four children together. In 2007, the family moved to Vegas, where Jason started working at an appliance installation company. Soon, he struggled with substance abuse, and by 2013, he had grown an interest in New Age beliefs, specifically Ascension. Jason said he was running a blockbuster in Vegas when he saw one of Amy's videos online. Jason said hearing her speak once was enough for him to uproot his life and join her. He said, quote, I already knew the Matrix was real and that everyone was being enslaved. Who better to watch the Matrix than someone who ran a blockbuster? There you go. I do desperately uh, kind of miss the whole blockbuster feel, but neither here nor there. Um, but when Jason left his family in 2018... He not only left behind the woman he had been with for the past nearly 20 years, uh, he also left behind their children. Jason said that his children, who he refers to as his 3D children, um, he said they understood why he left, saying, quote, They're well aware that the needs of a few are unimportant compared to the whole planet. There are 8.5 billion children. I can't. Uh-huh. So he left his job, which he referred to as his 60th and last job in the Earth realm, and headed to Colorado. Jason made his first appearance in a Love Has One video in August 2018, and while Jason and Amy were convinced they were twin flames and meant to be, some of the other members just outright did not care for him. Some said he would become domineering, and take far too many drugs, and then boss the group around after Amy passed out. One member outright said, quote, he was just being a dick. 
Uh, they also said that Jason, quote, embodied all the lower masculine energy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, members described Jason as volatile, aggressive, and apparently one time uh, during an argument, Jason broke John's nose. Uh, Jason described himself as master of darkness. Wow. So, uh, not positive. <coughs> Isn't, um, doesn't Ozzy Osbourne call himself something like that? Yeah, I think it's maybe, is it Prince of Darkness? Oh, that could be. He's somebody of darkness, I think. <laughs> well, he's, he's eating those heads off those bats. I mean, he can, yeah, he's well, making good on yeah. it. Ah. Uh, so Amy said that by loving Jason, she was teaching her followers that if you unconditionally love someone who you perceive as the lowest or the darkest, you could change everything. Amy also said that no matter how many times she tried to cut ties with Jason, he would always come back. And honestly, none of that describes a positive or healthy relationship. And I wish that Amy realized that she deserved better. Mm. After arriving, uh, Jason continued to struggle with an addiction to crystal meth. He became so out of control that Amy said the Galactics guided her to move to Oregon and to leave Jason behind. Amy said if Jason was truly Father God, he would be able to find the group. And somehow, 24 days later, Jason reunited with Amy. I have a lot of questions as to how that happened. I can only assume a member of the group let him know, because what are the odds he'd just happen upon them? Right. Although they would be probably live streaming, so he might have been able to figure it out. But still. I don't think divine spirits had anything to do with it, is my point. Yeah. Oh, but Amy's health had started to deteriorate. Her pain was described as a 50 out of 10. But Amy said um, that was because at that point, she had processed 99.3% of the world's negative energy. Again, I I, I want to not be hard skeptical, but there's less than 1%. Wait, did I say 99? Or I said, oh yeah, 99.3. There's less than 1% of negative energy on the planet? <laughs> Have they ever read a comment section? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's incredible! Yeah, you you know you've raised such a good point. I yeah yeah. Look, there's there's a reason we don't have comments on YouTube. There's like yep. a lot of things. Sure, and it's like I can't imagine ninety nine percent, huh? Okay. <coughs> Again, uh, trying to be super supportive here. Of course. So, soon, Amy became bedridden. She was paralyzed from the waist down, and her body was covered in boils. But Amy wasn't worried. She said the Galactics told her she was going to ascend in a starship soon, so her body was starting the deterioration process. However, the Galactics informed her she would only be able to ascend if she weighed either 103 or 104 pounds, which is wildly dangerous for an adult. Of course. So at this point, she's barely eating, 
but also continually putting constant drugs and alcohol into her system. So it's no wonder that her body started to shut down. But Amy was convinced that the thing that would cure any physical problem that she had was colloidal silver. Love has won, sold colloidal silver as an ancient remedy that had been banned by pharmaceutical companies because it was actually healing people and big pharma didn't want anyone to be healthy. And look, I don't trust that the big pharmaceutical companies are acting in the public's best interest. Yep. But I'll believe that before I believe in colloidal silver. Yeah. Now, this silver may sound familiar because libertarian politician Stan Jones started regularly taking it in the late 90s because he was worried about the whole Y2K thing and that it would cause an antibiotic shortage. But then Stan started taking so much of that silver that his skin started turning blue. Love Has One members mentioned this in their videos, saying that Stan was a moron who made the silver wrong and that turning blue was absolutely not something that would happen. Keep a pin in that thought. Uh -huh. In the same video where they pushed this fucking silver as a cure-all, they said the line, quote, Get your Kool-Aid, which is clearly a reference to the Jonestown Massacre, episode 131 for those taking notes. Thank you. Uh, for one cult to make a joke about another cult is so meta to me that I can't even fully comprehend it. But to joke about the very thing that killed nearly a thousand people, including hundreds of children, is gross and uncalled for. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow publicly stated that colloidal silver keeps viruses away. No, it doesn't. Don't take health advice from Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, during the pandemic, absolute garbage troll Alex Jones claimed that colloidal silver was a treatment for COVID. It's not. But Love Has One started selling colloidal silver in their Gaia's Whole Healing store. Uh, they also claimed it was a cure for COVID. But in April 2020, the FDA and the Federal Trade Commission sent them a warning to basically stop spreading those lies. Uh, the claims about the silver curing COVID was then removed uh, from their website. Still tried to sell the silver, but were like... Sorry, you're stuck with COVID. You'll have to find another way. Right. So in August 2020, Amy said the Galactics told her to go to Hawaii so she would be closer to a portal when it came time to ascend. Because apparently the portals are in the oceans. I don't know. Amy didn't want to go. Jason insisted that she go. So 14 members of the group moved to Kauai. While there, Amy's mother and sisters started watching the group's live streams, and they became incredibly concerned for Amy's well-being. Not only did she have to be carried to and from the computer because she could no longer walk at this point, she was also so painfully thin, and her skin had a blue tinge to it. Again, I told you to put a pin in the thought of that politician turning blue and love has won saying the guy was a moron. 
um, and that taking proper colloidal silver would never turn you blue. Well, yeah, Amy absolutely started to turn blue, which is a skin condition called argyria, which is caused by an excessive exposure to silver. And when I think of it, I'm fairly certain there was an Oprah episode with that guy who was bright, bright blue, like in like, I was homesick from school, like 90s. Sure. I He had a beard and he also chose to wear a lot of denim, which felt like a choice. I don't know. I'm going to have to Google that because he just, I thought blue skin and he just came into my mind. I believe glasses, red hair, like red beard, balding. Again, I'm going to have to Google it because he is in there somewhere. So, huh. so Amy's family, uh, they were incredibly concerned. Amy brushed it off. Uh, the family did the only thing they could think of. They contacted Dr. Phil. Amy and her sister both appeared on the show via Skype. Their mother was in studio. Uh, her family mentioned their concerns. Again, Amy just brushed it all off. She said she felt betrayed by her Earth family. When the subject of Amy's children came up, Amy said, quote, I didn't abandon my children. Angels told me I had to go on a mission. Amy's family were upset. Uh, they Going on the Dr. Phil show was kind of their Hail Mary to get Amy proper actual help. But Dr. Phil didn't end up helping at all. Uh, the episode aired September 14th. 2020. And then, I mean, a few months after it aired, uh, the locals in Hawaii started to kind of get annoyed with the cult's presence um, on their islands. And then Amy, for some reason, publicly claimed that she was Pele, the goddess of fire and volcanoes and the creator of the Hawaiian islands. The locals were rightfully insulted. And more than 100 people started protesting outside Amy's luxury beachfront rental. Amy screamed at them, quote, I'm Pele, bitch. Don't push me. Just doubling down. Yeah. When the group refused to go, the locals got angrier and started breaking the windows of their rental car. Things got so bad, the mayor had to step in and just basically bluntly say, if you stay, I cannot ensure your safety. So the group returned to Crestone, Colorado in December 2020, where Miguel bought the house at 4 El Cito Court, which uh, the group referred to as Mission House. When they returned, Amy became just so depressed. She felt defeated. Her health declined so badly that she outright asked to be taken to a 3D hospital which for the rest of us is just a hospital. Uh, but the group refused to take her, saying that they knew if they took her to a hospital, someone from the cabal, you know, the, the mean shadow people, mm -hmm. would try and kidnap her. They also suggested that the Galactics didn't want Amy at a hospital. Again, I didn't know Robin Williams personally, but I always believed he was a very compassionate person. Why? Honestly, probably because of the time uh, when he met Coco the gorilla, because I can't even think about that video, to be honest. It, it's uh, emotional. It, it is. It is. Um, 
And while that might not be a lot to go on, I stand by it. So I don't believe for one second that he would see someone in immense pain and deny them a hospital. Again, I know that Robin Williams was not actually involved in the decisions here. (laughs) I'm just saying, Love Has Won made their own choices and then blamed the bad choices on these celebrities. Some of whom weren't dead. But that's, I can't, I can't get past it. But anyhow. It's it's kind of the the thing of this entire mess for me. Amy, who was so new age that she refused any sort of doctor or hospital, was now so incredibly sick that she outright asked to go to a hospital, but her followers said no. Because, of course, at this point, she couldn't walk. She could barely do anything. There was no way she could get to a hospital herself. In the documentary... The followers all outright admit that Amy asked to go to a hospital, but that they refused. After Amy's death, those same people had, if I may, the audacity to say, well, if she had asked to go to a hospital, I absolutely would have taken her. So which is it? Did she ask and you said no, or did she not ask at all? It can't be both, but you said both. If you think I didn't catch on to that, love has won. I did. Yeah. I take notes. (laughs) Extensive notes. I'm also very self-aware and very aware of things that people do that they aren't even aware of themselves. Anyhow. (laughs) Hmm. I love all of this. (laughs) This is 2024, baby. Uh, And while this group did a lot of things that I can't wrap my head around, the biggest thing for me is that they all spent months watching this woman die, and they did nothing. Instead, they blamed the world. They said Amy was only getting sick because humanity wasn't waking up to her. And maybe there is some sort of mental illness involved here. Uh, I should probably show more compassion for these people. But it is very clear that Amy was dying, and they did nothing. Mm. In March 2021, Amy and a few members of Love Has One traveled to Mount Shasta, California. I assume it was based on a suggestion from the Galactics. Uh, Three members, including Miguel, stayed behind in Crestone uh, to keep up the live streams and keep hawking their products because they wanted to keep that money stream coming in. A few weeks later, the Galactics told Amy to move to Oregon, where Amy stayed at Callahan's Mountain Lodge in Ashland. Her health was so bad at this point that she basically just rotated from the bed to the shower to the hot tub on repeat. Anything to find relief from the pain she was in. Because while Amy's initial pain seemed more emotional at the start of her time as Mother God, it is very clear that as her body began to physically shut down, her pain became intensely real and no human deserves to suffer like that. But to Amy's followers, Amy wasn't dying. She was preparing to ascend to 5D. They believed that the Galactics would arrive in a starship and take Amy away. And if that sounds familiar, it's because we previously mentioned a cult that believed starships would come take them away in our Heaven's Gate episode. That was number 124. 
Because apparently when you do one episode about a cult, you end up naturally referencing every other (laughs) cult episode that you've done. Of course. (sighs) Mother God, a.k.a. Amy Carlson, died April 16th, 2021. She was just 45 years old. During a Facebook Live, a group member announced, quote, she has not passed away. She ascended. Her essence left her body. After Amy's ascension, the group panicked, thinking, well, if the hotel discovers that Amy's dead, they're going to steal her body. I don't think that's what would have happened. No. But uh, the group then wrapped Amy's body in a sleeping bag, and they took her to Mount Hood National Forest. They camped as a group for several days, waiting for the Galactics to come pick up her body. They did not. While camping, Jason shared a tent with Amy's body, sleeping next to her every night. Ten days later, the group decided to return to Crestone, so they wrapped Amy's body in a sleeping bag and drove to Colorado. On April 27th, Miguel, who had been out of town, uh, apparently for a few days, arrived at the mission house to discover Amy's mummified corpse. The following morning, he went to the police where he told them he discovered a body in his house and he hadn't spoken to her in months. Police executed a search warrant close to midnight on April 28th. In the house, they discovered Amy's badly decomposed body in a bed covered in candles and Christmas lights. Her face was covered in glittery makeup and her eyes were missing. Whoa. Don't know why. The seven cult members present at the home were arrested and charged with abusing or tampering with a corpse and two counts of child abuse because two children were found sleeping in the same house as that body. Oh, God. The children were 13 and two. The two-year-old was Miguel's son. Uh, I don't know who was supposed to be watching him while Miguel wasn't home. Right. So um, an autopsy found there was no trauma to Amy's body, meaning she died naturally. So the charges against the seven cult members were dropped. Amy's cause of death was declared organ failure, alcohol abuse, anorexia, and ingesting colloidal silver. Amy weighed just 75 pounds at the time of her death. Her remains were officially given to her family. So this has been a real roller coaster from the start. But before I go, I have to ask and then answer the question, where are they now? (laughs) I don't know why it had to be indignant, but it was. So I love it. Uh, Love Has Won members Aurora and Hope both live in Florida, where they co-host a 5D spirituality web series called 5D Full Disclosure. They also continue to run the store, which has been renamed Mother Nature Natural Essentials. Jason, a.k.a. Father God, and John, a.k.a. Father Multiverse, live together in Wisconsin, They seem to be continuing on with Amy's beliefs, 
sharing them through a group that they created called Joy Reigns. Jason often refers to himself as Mother Father God, uh, saying he is the new God because he absorbed Amy's energies, because of course he's trying to continue to profit off of that poor woman, Mm. allegedly. Miguel drained $330,000 from the Love Has Won account. After all, he was the only one who handled the financials. Just days after Amy's body was discovered, he dissolved the group's websites and started Gaia's Crystal Schools, which pretty much peddles the same teachings uh, as the original cult did. He said he no longer speaks with anyone from the cult, uh, probably because he took their money and ran. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's the that. Fact, the fact that there were no repercussions legally from that, I assume because the house was in his name, the accounts are all in his name, he signed everything because he was the financial guy. Right. So I find that interesting. But uh, according to Love Has One members, two days before the group brought Amy's body back to Crestone, Miguel withdrew 200000 from the cult's bank account. Um, they said this is probably why the group returned when they did, because they were trying to prevent him from taking more money. Um, but he took the remainder and ran. Um, Amy's oldest son, Cole, is studying microbiology in Germany. Her daughter, Maddie, has plans to become a nurse. I can't imagine what this entire thing has done to those kids, but I am happy to hear that they have been loved and supported and are headed in good directions. Reporting for True Crime and Cocktails, I'm Christy Oxborough. I don't think I remembered the I element from the... Wasn't in it. That's what my question was. Yep. And I, I guess my only question is, they, they determined... I'm jumping ahead for a second here. They determined that she died of natural causes, so they yep. dropped the charges, but weren't some of the charges tampering with a body? Yep. Where are the eyes? I don't know. Like, I assume the eyes take time. I mean, there's also the thought that did she die when they said she did? Because by the time, I mean, they're saying the 16th. She was found by police on the 28th, and her body was quite mummified, although I suppose decomp will speed up when she's not kept in a cool environment. But yeah, they said it was uh, pretty bad. I was shocked by the amount of photos and like video footage of like, let's go in and see the body. And I was like, are we? Okay. I think... What distracts from the eyes is they put her glasses on her. I want to know what happens to the eyes when you die. I guess I'm going to have to Google it. Uh, I'm going to Google. Listen, let's take a break while we Google eye decomp. And I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I can't either. Uh, but grab a drink at the camp one more time. We'll be back to wrap it up on the Mother God Cult episode of True Crime and Cocktails. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. 
you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. We're, of course, discussing the Mother God cult. In the break, we learned that your eyes, uh, they can decompose quicker than you'd think. Yeah. I mean, we also didn't want to... We didn't Google dig too far. Deep. We were both we were both concerned we were going to come up with photos. Yeah, we neither of us wants that in our lives. But uh, yeah. yeah, it does appear that it's possible that in that amount of time, and depending yeah. on how how warm the body was being kept, yeah, they could have just done their thing. Yeah, I think at the very least they sunk quite. Well, they can deflate they just, was the other thing that we were reading. They, so. they like sunk in there. So yeah. it's possible it just looked like there were none. Right. I don't know. It's tough to think about. We're going to move on from it. Um, okay. So many things to comment on. I find her journey fascinating. The fact that she went from being working at McDonald's, quickly working her way up to being a manager. Yep. And then leaving that to essentially run a cult where she is mother god mm -hmm. it's an impossibly compelling story to me um i know i feel like there was a reference in the doc too about like her managerial skills and people really loved working for her yeah and i thought that was interesting because something else that came up that you brought up was about how she had mentioned to people she she described people as being brilliant and one of the moments that like really kind of like chilled me to my core, but also I was like, ah, was there was a moment where, um, what's his name? Jason. I love that I'm trying to give his full name. Jason Castillo. Why? Doesn't matter. Point is <laughs> the final father God, Jason. There's yeah. a moment in the doc where he's being interviewed and he says that she referred to him as brilliant. And it was the second time that there was somebody who had referenced that. And he was like, and he said, no one had ever described me in that way before. And I was like, I think it's such an interesting way. And I'm not going to say she was manipulating them because I don't sure. necessarily know what I think about that. But I think it's just interesting that she knew what to say to those men that would really resonate win, with them, win them over. Yeah. And then he went on to talk about I think in another interview in the doc about like there was a moment where he was doing like physical labor and then he just went, wait a second, I'm Father God. What am I doing? Everyone else can do it. And that was like a transitional, like kind of like changing moment for him. But it was because she had empowered him so deeply. She had esteemed him in this way that he yeah. had never heard in his life. He was not someone that was necessarily referred to that way. She referred to him that way. And it was literally like he's off to the races, which, again, I just find fascinating. Yeah. I also just have to say, I think one of the things that I 
loved about this documentary was that typically when we watch documentaries about cults, the people interviewed are all out of the cult and speaking of their experience. There was a lot of people interviewed in this that are still in it, that still believe all of it. And I thought that that was like a very interesting and unique kind of thing to watch. Um, Sure. You know, fascinating. Yeah, you you don't normally see like a here's something about a bad thing. Here are all the people who are like, it's not bad. Yeah. Like you don't normally see that. Exactly. I was surprised that they didn't mention any of the abuse, like the cat or the child being locked in a closet. It is interesting. You know, it's if you're going to go for it. Yeah. And and be like, this is what things were really like. Yeah. Whether it was due to drugs, alcohol, mental illness, whatever, um, then just go for it. Yeah. And tell us everything that was going on. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's even stuff that members aren't saying a word, so it's not out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is just the beginning of, of learning about this story is the other thing. Oh, sure. I think as time goes on and more members come forward with the popularity of this doc and, you know, I I think there's definitely more information to come. I think sure. this is ongoing, but that's my that's just my theory. Um of course, you mentioned that she and Amareth believed they were twin flames. And here's yeah. the thing I got to say, and I can't remember if I've said this on the show before or not. So if I repeat, I'm repeating myself. Sorry. Um, there is a school of thought about twin flames because, listen, twin flames is also like in the ether right now because there is a there was a twin flames cult. And, you of know, of course, obviously, there's a lot of uh, documentaries about that uh, cult sure. currently. And I, the, the term gets thrown around. This is where I look, I'm bringing my woo woo to the table. Okay. Because some people mm-hmm. are throw, throw around twin flames as a synonymous term for soulmate. And there is sure. a school of thought that does not believe that to be the case. Sure. That a twin flame is kind of like, it can be a quite passionate and therefore explosive or unsustainable connection. That it's like this otherworldly, you know, you feel this connection with this person that's off the charts, but it's like you love as hard as you fight type thing. Whereas a soulmate is more of like, it's two compatible people that are different, have different personalities. A twin flame, you may, you're not, again, in one school of thought, you're not meant to end up with your twin flame. It's impractical. It's not sustainable. see. Sure. Because again, it's someone, if the idea was that you were like one soul that was split and then you come back together and you become whole, again, we all know that, that first of all, that's a fallacy, but second of all, that's going to be a far more contentious or, or it's the same thing where it's like the people we're most like are alike with are the people that we fight with the most, right? So sure. a soulmate is is often the person you will end up with or in, in the school of thought because you're two different people that have a like deep connection, but you kind of like bring sure. your whole selves to the situation. So again, it's just interesting to me that people have kind of started adopting twin flame as being this thing that you should like be striving for or looking for. And, and again, like, again, there's a, there's a whole ideology that would tell you like, absolutely not. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That, that, yeah, like this is a person that will potentially, it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people have that person in their life 
in their lifetime where it was like, God, that was like the craziest connection. Man, there was no sure. way that that was sustainable, but it was like fireworks. That's sure. the, that's a, tw that's your twin flame. Again, your soulmate is a much more kind of like, of course, healthy connection. Sure. Again, I just, I just offer that. Cause again, I'm finding it interesting how the term's getting used. Um, I just also love that they ran an e-commerce store and I was like, I know how to do that. Anyway, um, <laughs> didn't know I was signing up for it when I did it, but here we are. Of course. The well, sun I don't think we knew many things that we were <laughs> signing up for. I agreed to to be on another show and look at us now. Yep. Yep. Here we are. Yep. Um, yep. Now, you brought up the sun gazing, which I had to get into. This oh. is something that people believe in. There was an episode of hit reality show Wife Swap where – uh, one of the families, the wife, believed in that. And and she did it a little bit differently, if my memory serves. Don't quote me. I haven't seen it in some time. But I don't believe she was necessarily fully staring at it the whole time. That was a part of it. But it was more about standing in the sun. And the idea was is that you can gain energy from that and you then don't have to eat. It's, again, um, you know, it's a risky kind mm. of practice, if you ask me, uh, sure. for a multitude of reasons. But it's it is interesting that that was something that I had heard of before. Um, that I know there is there is a, a belief in in some on some level. Um, and again, I don't recommend. Obviously, no, I can't. Yeah, the the idea that she wanted to transition everyone out of needing food and sleep to survive. Yeah, that's that's again like we listen you've been re you've been referencing all the cults with we've covered on this show like if there's any kind of through line the idea that you take away people's if you keep them tired and hungry breaking them down yeah that's that's a great way to control people but what's interesting to me is that watching the doc it never felt to me i feel like there's look i'm going out on a limb here but it felt like there was a certain amount of this that i was like is she a mastermind or is this, does she know what she's doing? Sure. And I don't know the answer to that. I think that's another reason why I find her so fascinating is that it's like, I don't know. Is she just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Like, did she look up a book about how to run a cult? I don't think so. Is it that she came organically to these similar traits that we see in all these cults? I wonder. I could see that. I mean, you had said um, before she even started all of this and when she was working at McDonald's, it was said that, you know, her employees loved her. Right. People loved being around her. She was so nice to people. And it's like, I bet she saw that as this is the way I am towards people. And I was praised for it. And they liked me for it. So if I treat people like that, then it benefits me. I'm not saying it was right. That was specifically how she was feeling about it. But I think it genuinely started with her being like, you know, I just, I'm like the sort of, for lack of better words, like the hippie sort of like, I'm sick of the world and possessions. And I just want to like, live my life freely and love other people and do all that. And I think it just kind of turned over time and they kept feeling like they had to add more things. And so the more they sought out, I think it just kind of naturally became a cult somehow. Yeah. It feels like, 
Uh, yeah, it's interesting. That's what it kind of felt like to me. It didn't feel like it was like sometimes when you hear about cults or again for, in the research we've done with other with other things, it feels mm. like someone's kind of setting out to do it. Oh, yeah. And this didn't feel that way to me. And then I go, are you just being naive? And then I'm like, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, again, yeah. it's fascinating. Oh, yeah. It's tough to say. Again, I don't. I think it's more than possible that once she got to a certain level of you know uh, like doing starting where it's she's like a sidekick on amareth's videos right. and suddenly she discovers she likes that she likes being in front of a camera so suddenly he's pushed out she's the main focus and she's on there constantly and so i can see it being just like a natural like she just she wanted things one way and then all of a sudden before you know it it just kind of twisted into something and like snowballed and she couldn't stop it right and then maybe the drugs and alcohol kind of turned her into something else there could have been a mental illness that the drugs and alcohol made worse over time because it wasn't being treated and then just i i really think she just kind of stumbled into i've made a cult right and I don't know if she even thought about it that way. I'm curious about that, too. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think that there's other cult leaders that have looked at it and gone like, I know what I've done. But I don't know. I don't know whether she did. And the other thing we know, again, is that she was under the influence of so many substances. Yeah. I'm. It's, it's again, it's, it's one of the more uh, – th this one is, like, really – that documentary fascinated me. I was just like, this story oh, is wild. And again, the fact that there are still people who like deeply believe it, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It is more than possible that she got to that point where she was like, I I can't move. I'm in so much pain. I'm yeah. literally wasting away. And she says, Hey, I'd like a hospital. I think that was like a moment of clarity where she was like, this isn't, there's no starship. Nothing is coming. This is it. If this, if I was truly God, why would I be going through this? I think in that moment she realized I'm dying. And so she was like hospital. And when they were like, no, I think that was her moment of what have I done? Yeah. And then it was like, well, cause it wasn't long after that before she died. Well, and what's interesting about that, too, is, yeah, 100%. What's interesting about that to me is that that realization, like, oh, shit, yeah, I uh, I need help. And then it was almost like they had, even though I don't think they necessarily had had that conversation, it's almost as though prior she had had some conversation where it's like if i ever asked to go to a hospital don't listen to me oh, right like sure it feels like that was that they thought they were doing the right thing but one of the other things i did love in the documentary was when someone said like and then she died and we realized or ascended in their language um yeah. and we realized we had no plan so isn't that interesting too it doesn't seem yeah. to me like she was really stoked about ascending by the end no, because if she was, she would have written out the plan the way they had a plan for everything else. The way we've seen Heaven's yeah. Gate comes to mind. Everyone involved sure. there was was on board with with their ascension. Right. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's interesting to me that she kind of just left them and then they were like, we don't know what to do. 
And they really believed that this this group was going to come and physically pick up the body, which is fascinating to me, too, because quite often there's all of the talk about the vessel about versus the spirit and the soul. Like most of these these again, Heaven's Gate comes to mind where it's like. No one's they really know the bodies staying behind. Right. And this this group was not that, which is again interesting to me. Like they really thought that again, they yeah, they she, seemed genuinely surprised. Right. That she the had body to be left behind. Right. She had to be 103 pounds to fit into the starship. That was part of it, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, I guess they were like, no, that this is the deal, but I think the other thing that's really interesting to me is whether this is the main focus or not, it's interesting that she definitely had alcohol substance issues. Definitely. If you're sure. if you're intoxicated 24 hours a day, every day for years, I think that that's a fair statement to make. Yeah. And it almost feels like, in a sense, she kind of, at some point started amassing these people around her to allow her to remain enabled in her behavior. Yeah. The beliefs of the group started to become, well, alcohol is a tool and it has to be used because of all of this. All of the rules started to be ones that would allow her to remain in, in her altered state and then the one person who was like i think you have a problem i'm worried about you was ousted believe in her or leave and he was like i guess i gotta go like it's just interesting to me that it almost feels like a part of it what for her was like creating ways to justify and be enabled in her own behavior yeah because it's also very interesting we don't see in cults like with extreme religion and, and groups like that, it often goes the other way where it's like you have to be pure. You don't put poison in your body. Like sure. what's interesting, that was another thing that stood out to me about this was like, oh, no, alcohol and drugs were a part of it. And yeah. not just psychedelics, because I also know there's yeah. there's, you know, that's a different thing again. But like. It's fascinating to me, and it's also fascinating to me that a lot of her turning points seem to happen when she did the ecstasy that time. Yeah, which is. I believe is would be considered a psychedelic. Um, would it? Maybe no. Maybe it wouldn't. I think psychedelics. Well, the def- the point is, is that it was a substance that did something, um, and and had her see sure. on a different plane potentially, uh, whatever astral plane, whatever, however you want to label it. Um, the, the the only other thought I wrote down was a dick horse. Dick horse. <laughs> I know. I I know in that moment. I was like, I'm not supposed to chuckle at it and be like, wow, didn't like I just did not see it coming. Um, I was amused by it, whether I should have been or not. I love um, that. But God, you're right. Because even like she found a way to justify the substances. But she had cut back on how much sleep people were allowed to have. But if she was napping, it wasn't a real, it wasn't sleep. Right. So she found a way to keep herself sleeping because, well, she was having a meeting. So she had to sleep like that. Well, sorry, not sleep. She had to have her meeting. But yeah, she found a way to make it so she could still sleep. Yeah. 
So that I find fascinating. Well, and also at some point you're going to have to. If you're smoking weed yes. and, and drinking alcohol all day, your body will eventually give out. Like you will pass out. It's not even a choice. But I'm sure that yeah. that was part of it too, right? Sure. If she passed out, then it was like, oh, she's she's processing all of the pain of the world and it's caused this, you know, her body's exhausted type thing. Yeah, I could see that. Well, listen, Christy Oxborough, fantastic work as always. Truly, you you tackle these topics with a plum, with enthusiasm, with candor, and facts. Oof. Coming in hot in 2024. I'm you know what? That. I'm very excited about the new year. Um, hey, we thank you for your work as always. And we thank uh, you. Oh, no. I Listen, I was just barreling through. Go ahead. You, you can comment no, on what I it's, said. Oh, it's almost 2.30 in the morning. I know. <laughs> so, I know. That's so why I was like, fine. I got to just I just get felt like it. I uh, I felt like I had to respond, but uh, I, I can just non-verbally tip my cap. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you, dear <laughs> listeners, for uh, supporting us on this show. If you haven't already... Give us a follow on the socials on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at True Crime and Cocktails, on Twitter at Not Detectives. Uh, if you'd like some more content, some bonus episodes of these two chuckleheads, go over to patreon.com slash True Crime and Cocktails, where there, of course, is bonus episodes, a live monthly Q&A. There is polls. It's all kinds of fun. Check it out if you're interested. And of course, the only place for official True Crime and Cocktails merch is, of course, truecrewmerch.com. So check that out as well. And at the time of this release... My uh, latest single, The One Who Got Away, is going to be on its last day of pre-sale. Give it a sale. Uh, the 99 cents uh, is a, makes a big deal, the purchases, and we're hoping uh, for the best for that tune, uh, which drops January 17th. There you go. Christy, hey. do you want to uh, tell the people about next week's episode? Oh. On the next True Crime and Cocktails, House of Gucci. My, 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 a movie that I think I purchased and never finished watching. Maybe this will be what inspires me to. Um, sure. Christy, do you want to say goodnight to the people? Good night, Carter Hart. Oh, sure. Uh, Good night, Chuck E. Cheese? I don't know. <laughs> the mouse? Get me out of here. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.